What goes up? Boy, Marie! Boy, Marie! The Strictly American. Time now for Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning in to episode 159 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. The program you are about to see, well, here, is All in the Family. It seeks to throw a humorous spotlight on our frailties, prejudices, and concerns. By making them a source of laughter, we hope to show, in a mature fashion, just how absurd they are. That was the disclaimer made before the start of the first episode of an early 1970s TV show where the main character is an obnoxious, prejudiced, big-mouth bigot played by a brilliant actor who actually was credited with bringing highly controversial subjects to light every week. But no matter what the subject, he was highly humorous, and millions laughed along. The character and the show was the brainchild of a TV mastermind who we just lost last month at the age of 101. So, boy, get ready to hear the way Glenn Miller played and the songs on the hit parade. Not really. There's no music on this record. In volume 159... Those were the days. You're Mr. Bunker. You figured that out, huh? <laughs> what kind of a name is Stevie? Huh? Where are you from? Oh, uh, Chicago. I mean, what's your nationality? I'm an American. <laughs> I mean, where are your people from? They're from Poland. <laughs> that would make you Polish then. Huh? Anything interesting in the paper? Yeah, 200 arrested at Vietnam Day peace demonstration. 200. They should have thrown a whole bunch of them in the can. Throwing all kinds of junk and debris at officers of the law. Desecrating on the American flag. The hell of them peace sticks want anyhow. Well, I think they just don't like the idea of America fighting an illegal and immoral war. Well, if they don't like it, they can lump it. <laughs> Take it down the road and dump it. <laughs> what are you, you saying America love it or leave it? That's right. It's a free country, so I'm scraped. Well, what would our leaving solve? I mean, with or without protesters, this country would still have the same problems. What problems? Well, it's the war, the racial problem, the economic problem, the pollution oh, problem. Oh, come on, if you want to nitpick. <laughs> nitpick? Let me tell you something, Mr. Bunker. No, let me tell you something, Mr. Stivic. You are a meathead. <laughs> oh, yeah, now 
I see what your idea of a free country is. You're free to say anything you want, but if, but if anyone disagrees with you, they're either thrown into jail or called a meathead, right? That's right, because this is American land that I love. Well, I love it too, Mr. Bunker, and it's because I do like protests when I think things are wrong. And stand beside her. And guide her. The right to the state is the principle upon which this country was based. With the light from above. Listen to me. It's in the Bill of Rights. From the mountains. Why do you think we broke away from England to begin with, huh? Because we didn't agree with her. We demanded freedom. Gee, it's guys like you. It's guys like you who don't listen to reason. I mean, you're not listening to anything. You're totally closed-minded. You're president! You're president! You're president! Not anymore! I'm leaving! And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Sarcasm font turned on. Carol O'Connor and Rob Reiner in the scene when Archie meets Mike from the groundbreaking TV sitcom All in the Family. Of course, we'll hear from Gene Stapleton and Sally Struthers shortly. That was from Episode 5, Flashback, Mike Meets Archie, aired October 16th, 1971. By the way, all of these scenes are from Season 2. Okay, why this record for this episode? Well, because the creator of this landmark show, as well as dozens of other hits, Norman Lear, passed away at 101 years old just a little over a month ago. And it gave me an opportunity to pull out this album. This is an odd piece in my dad's collection because it's the audio-only portion of a TV show. You would think that when they released this, you wouldn't be able to tell what is going on on the screen without seeing it. But I think most of us could imagine the video part of that audio, especially if you watched the show with any frequency. That's why this is the second album released from the show. My dad loved All in the Family, and we usually watched the show and some of its spinoffs, and then Archie's place together. We were always all on the couch or other sitting positions on chairs and the floor before Gene Stapleton's fingers came down on the piano and Carol O'Connor sang his famous first line. All in the Family is an American television sitcom that aired on CBS for nine seasons from January 12, 1971 to April 8, 1979. Afterwards, it was produced as the continuation series, Archie Bunker's Place, which picked up where All in the Family had ended and ran for four more seasons through 1983. Based on the British sitcom Till Death Do Us Part, All in the Family was produced by Norman Lear and Bud Yorkin. It starred Carol O'Connor, Gene Stapleton, Sally Struthers, and Rob Reiner. The show is about a working-class white American family living in Queens, New York. Its patriarch is Archie Bunker, played by O'Connor, an outspoken, narrow-minded man seemingly prejudiced against everyone who is not like him or his idea of how people should be. Archie's wife, Edith, Gene Stapleton, is sweet and understanding, though somewhat naive and uneducated. Her husband sometimes despairingly calls her Dingbat. Their one child, Gloria, Sally Struthers, is generally kind and good-natured like her mother, but displays traces of her father's stubbornness and temper. Unlike them, she is a feminist. Gloria is married to college, later graduate student, later college instructor Michael Stivick, Rob Reiner, referred to as Meathead by Archie, whose values are likewise influenced and shaped by the counterculture of the 1960s. The two couples represent the real-life clash of values between the greatest generation and the baby boomers. 
For much of the series, the Stivics live in the bunker's home to save money, providing abundant opportunity for them to irritate each other. The show broke ground in its depiction of issues previously considered unsuitable for a U.S. network television comedy, such as racism, anti-Semitism, infidelity, homosexuality, women's liberation, rape, religion, miscarriages, abortion, breast cancer, the Vietnam War, menopause, and impotence. Through depicting these controversial issues, the series became arguably one of television's most influential comedic programs, as it injected the sitcom format with more dramatic moments and realistic topical conflicts. All in the Family is often regarded in the United States as one of the greatest television series in history. The show soon became the most watched show in the United States during the summer reruns of the first season and afterwards ranked number one in the yearly Nielsen ratings from 1971 to 1976. It became the first television series to reach the milestone of having topped the Nielsen ratings for five consecutive years. Many say this show couldn't be made today. Maybe not. But that doesn't mean it is irrelevant. In fact, it was so relevant, popular, and groundbreaking that Archie's and Edith's chairs from the living room set ended up in the Smithsonian. Not bad for a show that didn't initially get picked up after two pilot episodes. Okay, this next cut shows you about some of the sensibility differences between the two generations. On the show. What do you got there, Edith? The paintings of Zabo de Borba, Mike's old friend from Chicago. Yeah, we practically grew up together. Hey, he's, he's stopping by for a drink. You'll meet him in a few minutes. Jeez, I can hardly wait. Uh, aren't you going to look at Zabo's paintings, Mom? Oh, wait yeah. a minute, wait a minute. Give them to me. Let me look at Zabo's paintings here. What you got here? What the hell kind of paintings are these? Daddy, but they're very abstract. Oh, oh, look, look, here's one we love. That's called Nude and Limbo, you see? There's her head, and there's the long line of her neck, and over there, her shoulders, and over there... Are... Hey, I know what those are. <laughs> How come he give her three of them? Jeez, he must have been bombed out of his skull when he came here. <laughs> the next time he thinks he sees three of them, tell him to take two aspirin and go to bed. Maybe it's a picture of two girls and he left something out. <laughs> take it away. I got a good question for you, Daddy. Three what? Huh? You heard me. You looked at the book and you said there's three of them, but you didn't say what. You know what I mean. No, I don't. Tell me. Come on. Look at that. You can't say it, can you, Arch? <laughs> A simple part of the anatomy and it sticks in your throat. I got no anatomy sticking in my throat. <laughs> I just happen to have some respect for common decency, that's all. Listen, long before any of us was born, they was calling certain things private parts. Come on, Daddy, that's just a big cover-up. It's a hang-up. Yeah, and you know it. Now look here. What is that? Leave me alone. It's a breast, isn't it? Edith, do you hear what she's saying in front of her own father here? But that's what it is, isn't it? A breast? She said it again. 
all she said was breast. Now he's saying it over there. Well, let's hear you say it just once. I won't say it just once. Can you believe that? He can't even say the word. He has said breast a chicken. Never what? Stipe yourself, huh? And then once at Rockaway Beach, he showed me how to do the breaststroke. Wait, you stipe yourself. I want to tell you something. I got no respect for a guy that spends his whole life getting cheap thrills out of other people's nudity. With one sentence, he puts away all painters, sculptors, doctors. Oh, hold it, hold it there, Meathead. You say nothing about doctors, because that's a whole other thing. The most beautiful woman in the world can walk into a doctor's office and get herself undressed. It don't mean a thing. He don't even take any notice of the good parts. <laughs> The name of that scene was Breasts. Taken from Episode 2, Gloria Poses in the Nude, aired September 25th, 1971. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. All in the Family, second album. It's on the Atlantic label, number SD7232. It's a vinyl LP album format, released in 1972. Its genre is non-music. Its style is dialogue and comedy. We will hear six of the 11 tracks from this record. Now, there are no real liner notes. It's a list of credits of actors' voices you'll hear. One of the voices you will not hear on this episode, but will hear on the record, is that of the character Maud, played by B. Arthur. Of course, most of you also know another character she played, Dorothy, on The Golden Girls. So with no liner notes, I'm really going to digress a bit here and play something that is not on the featured record. Did you know that O'Connor and Stapleton also recorded a 45 RPM single version of the song's opening number? It's a little longer than you'll remember, more words than you'll remember, and I'm going to spin it for you here. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played... Guys like me, we had it made. Those were the days. Didn't need no welfare state. Everybody moved his weight. G.R.O. LaSalle and great. Those were the days.
Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton as The Bunkers with Those Were the Days. That song reached number 30 on the Billboard Adult Contemporary chart in 1972. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. $12.99 for a high, a dollar for a low, for a $4.40 average and $3.40 median. It was last sold just recently, December 29th, 2023, for a pound 25 or $1.37 U.S. There were uh, a couple in the $13 range on eBay and $15 range on Amazon. Now, my dad's record is in fair condition. The most surface noise you'll hear will be at the beginning of the next cut. There are a couple of long but light scratches on this. The cover is in fair to good condition. There's no green magic marker, the word posted, or any of his address stickers, although several of the cuts have check marks on the back cover. This was one of those odd promotional copies my dad had. I'm not sure this is something uh, you would have heard on the radio, but who knows? The front cover is a Mike Salisburg photo of the main cast hovering around Archie in his chair. Edith and Mike are standing behind the chair while Gloria is leaning in from the side. And the promotional copy not for sale sticker is precisely placed on the bent over bum of Sally Struthers. I wonder if that was on purpose. I'll value my dad's vinyl at a buck. Okay, next up. Archie speaks to America through the most trusted man in America. Good evening, all, and a wonderful evening this is going to be. Hello, Archie. I got everything ready just the way you ordered That's it. terrific, Edith, terrific. You've done a terrific job. Good evening, Gloria, and good evening to you, Michael. Good evening to you, Michael. <laughs> Edith, bring them wine glasses over here. Oh, this exciting. Why, we haven't used these glasses since we got them from the Quaker Oats people. Well, it's about time we used them, Edith. This is a special occasion, and I bought a very special wine. Yeah, this screw-on cap has a great bouquet. <laughs> Red wine. I bet it's Manischewitz. No, did it? I buy strictly American. <laughs> now, don't nobody say nothing till I make the toast. Well, what are we drinking to? We are drinking to the man in the street. What's the man in the street? Ah, you will find out all in good time, little girl. Meantime, come on, let's get over there and eat our dinner. Yeah. Boy, this is a swell bottle of wine. Yeah, great vintage. September. <laughs> Come on, Daddy, when are you going to tell us a surprise? Oh, I know. I bet they gave him his own key to the men's room. Mike? <laughs> Sorry, the wine went to my head. I ain't surprised. You ain't got nothing else up there. All right, I won't keep you in suspense no longer. Today at lunchtime, down at work, I went around to the bench back at the loading bay, when all of a sudden, up comes this great big CBS truck. You know, it's loaded with equipment and lights. There's guys running around with cameras. So the guy comes up to me and he says, you're a waking man. Uh, we would like to have your opinion on President Nixon's new economic phase. So tonight, 
on the Walter Cronkite news, guess who is going to see that? <laughs> Just think of somebody you all know and love. Marcus Welby. Geez, when are they gonna come out with a pill for dingbat? <laughs> no, eat it, me. I'm gonna be on a Cronkite news. Oh, 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 really? You're no kidding. Yours truly. For once, the great American public's gonna get a chance to hear the opinions of the real common man. I can't argue with that statement. <laughs> what did you tell them about Mr. Nixon? Oh, a lot of things, you know, just on the spare of the moment. <laughs> I told that CBS guy, I said, listen, listen, there's millions of guys like me out there in the country that really believe in President Nixon. God believes in him, too. <laughs> you said that on television? <laughs> God believes in Nixon? <laughs> Certainly, Billy Graham plays golf with him, don't he? <laughs> what does that mean? That means God believes in Nixon. Wait a second, Arthur. You saying that Nixon rules because of divine right? It's a damn sight better than your divine left. <laughs> what other gems did you come up with? Oh, well, you just have to wait and see, sonny boy. You'll have to wait and see in here, along with the rest of the nation. I'm gonna turn this thing on and get it ready. Edith, what channel is Cronkite on? Channel 2, Archie. The one we don't watch because you always say Walter Cronkite is a communist. <laughs> read it, read it. What's wrong with the set, huh? Come on, will ya? 45 minutes to my show. All I get is a screen full of dots and dashes here. Yeah, you can fix that easy just by hitting it on the side. <laughs> coming on in 40 minutes, and you busted that set! I'm sorry, Mrs. Wiedemeyer's TV set is broken, oh, too. Gee. The repairman was just taking it out to the truck. The repairman? The re Are you telling me there was a TV repairman over Mrs. Wiedemeyer's? Yeah, leave his TV repair. And you let the guy get away, either the wall of dumb things no, on your... No, he's coming right over. Oh, geez, you're not a dingbat all the time, oh. <laughs> Mr. Bunker? Oh, never mind the introductions, Levy. Come on in. There's the set over there. Get to work. Don't waste any time now, Levy, will you? I'm on Walter Cronkite in 15 minutes. You? Yes. What'd you do? Have an accident? <laughs> Don't be a wise guy. They're asking my opinions to the president. Walter Cronkite wanted your opinion? Yes. Sure. Didn't you recognize Archie Bunker? He's a very important man. He just lives down here to be close to the people. Don't waste a man's time, huh? Let him get the work. Oh, here's the trouble. Not too serious. A line fuse blown and a 1B3 tube is out. How long is it going to take to fix? Oh, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, gee, swell. Get right out of huh? First thing Monday morning. Monday morning? I'm sorry, Mr. Bunker, but I've got to get back to the shop before dark. Why? You see, it's Friday, and I'm not allowed to drive the truck after sundown. What's driving a truck got to do with this here? Arch, I, I think Mr. Levy's trying to tell you he, he's orthodox. Orth orthodox what? Jewish. Oh, jeez. 
come on, don't tell me that, will you? You orthodox, a clean-cut kid like you? <laughs> I see them guys all my life with the long black coats and hats and beards. Come on, Levy, look at yourself. I know what it is. It's a question of dough. How much? It has nothing to do with money, Mr. Bunker. Here, do the job now. Say three Hail Moses tomorrow. Cleans it up. <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm sorry, I just can't go against my religion. Hey, hey, turn it down business. That's against your religion. <laughs> Mr. Bunker, I can only answer that insult with an old Jewish expression. So in our labor in a hoist with the toys and timbers, is a tubin a boyach vitig and ye the timmer. What the hell does that mean? Well, you never know, but believe me, I got even. From episode 11, Man in the Street, which aired December 4th, 1971. The TV repairman was played by Neil Schwartz, who spoke this Yiddish proverb. You should have a hotel with a thousand rooms and get a stomach ache in every room. (laughs) Maybe that Yiddish was something the creator of the show, Norman Lear, heard while growing up. Norman Milton Lear was born on July 27th, 1922 in New Haven, Connecticut. He was an American screenwriter and producer who produced, wrote, created, or developed over 100 shows. Lear created and produced numerous popular 1970 sitcoms, including All in the Family, 71 through 79, Maud, 72 through 78, Sanford and Son, 72 through 77, One Day at a Time, 75 through 84, The Jeffersons, 75 through 85, and Good Times, 74 through 1979. His shows introduced political and social themes to the sitcom format. The families in Lear's shows had conversations about the real things that were going on in the 1970s. Before these shows, television worlds were simpler, nicer places, says Darnell Hunt, a leading scholar of racial representation on TV. They had plot lines like, I burnt the pot roast. What are we going to do? We don't have anything for dinner. Or, I have a talent show at school and I don't know how to dance. Then Lear's roster of hit 70s sitcoms revolutionized television. Those shows took on issues that couldn't be resolved, Hunt says. They were issues that were at the heart of inequality and struggle in American society. He tackled everything from homophobia, sexism, racism, racism, you name it. Lear grew up in a Jewish family in Connecticut. He dropped out of college and enlisted in the United States Army Air Forces in September 1942. He served in the Mediterranean Theater as a radio operator and gunner on a Boeing B-17 Flying Fortress, bombers with the 772nd Bomb Squadron, the 463rd Bomb Group of the 15th Air Force. In a 2014 interview, he talked about bombing Germany. He flew 52 combat missions and received the Air Medal with four oak leaf clusters. Lear was discharged from the Army Air Forces in 1945. In his late 20s, he moved to Los Angeles. He struggled for several years, selling furniture door-to-door, taking baby pictures. Eventually, he talked his way into writing for a nightclub comedy act, which led to variety show gigs. Throughout the 1950s, Lear and Ed Simmons turned out comedy sketches for television appearances of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, Ronan Martin, and others. They frequently wrote for Martin and Lewis when they appeared on the Colgate Comedy Hour. By 1971, Lear was almost 50. He had produced and directed some shows and movies in his life, was about to change. Quote, I'd read in TV Guide about the British show Till Death Do Us Part, 
Lear recollected in the DVD set, the Norman Lear collection. That dynamic of the father and the son and the political arguments and the bigotry and the so forth, that was my father, Lear says. I grew up with that. I couldn't believe it hadn't been an idea. It was so clearly a show. So he decided to make his own version. And why that disclaimer at the beginning of the show? Well, the network was prepped for lots of complaints about the family patriarch, Archie Bunker's unbridled racism, but people got it. And All in the Family made it to the top 10 for eight of its nine seasons. On December 5th, 2023, Lear died at his home in Los Angeles from cardiac arrest, a complication of heart failure. He was 101. That was created from a combination of Wikipedia and Lear's obituary on NPR.org. I'll drop that link in this episode's liner notes. Next up, here's an odd scene since the vast majority of the show was set in the bunker's living room. Oh, has this been a day, I tell you. Nothing's gone right. This elevator's the first thing I've caught all day. When I left the house this morning, I stubbed my toe and I couldn't run, so I missed the bus. And then when I was in the ladies' room, my boss left for the day, so I missed getting paid. Would you press four, please? Lady, we just passed five. Today's a wipeout for you, ain't it? <laughs> well, let me out at six. What happened? It would appear the elevator has stopped. <laughs> you figured that out, huh? <laughs> tell her to put a lid on that Spanish back there. We're just making me nervous. They come here to live, you'd think they'd learn our language and our customs. <laughs> Don't you tell them about it. You speak their lingo, don't you? What makes you think I speak their lingo? Well, I figure you learned some of it living up in Harlem. What makes you think I live in Harlem? You look it. <laughs> what makes you think? I mean, isn't anybody going to get us out of here? Well, there's usually a telephone in these things. Open that little door on your side. Uh, just let me handle everything, will you? There's usually a telephone in these things. I'll just open this little door over here. Quiet down. Senor uh, operator. Senor operator. Uh, uh, get off my back there, will you, Pedro? I'm trying to call somebody. Senor. Senor. Uh, Pedro, uh, uh, can somebody translate what I'm saying for this pick here? <laughs> It's not necessary, mister. This is speak. I speak English. Well, then you ought to know. I'm trying to call the operator here. Operator? I tried to tell you there is no operator. The telephone rings only in the janitor's room. Well, the janitor is the guy I'm trying to get a hold of. I am the janitor. So you are the janitor, are you? Yes, Carlos Mendoza. This is my wife, Serafina. Mira Serafina. I'm Angelique McCarthy. How do you do? Listen, sis, this ain't a cocktail party here. Forget the introductions, will you? I'm rather fond of introductions. My name is Hugh Victor Thompson III. How do you do? How do you do? And you, what's your name? I ain't gonna tell you my name. Why? Is it a funny name? No, it ain't a funny name. It's a name right out of American history, if you want to know. Bunker, as in the Battle of. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bunker Hill. No, it ain't that name. 
It's just plain funkin'. Now, come on, let's cut out the social minorities here, huh? Hey, come on, you're the janitor around here. I mean, can't you do something to help us out? Oh, yes, yes. I think there is one thing that I can think well, to do. come yeah. on, do it. Our Father who are in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I hope it isn't what I think it is. I don't want to think about it. Are they talking about what I think they're talking about? I think that's what they're talking about. Your wife is thinking about having a baby here. You tell her to forget it. We're in an elevator, for God's sake. Don't get panicky, Bunker. These people have had babies before. But why can't they have them in a hospital? That's where I had mine. I bet the hospital is still buzzing over that. <laughs> Mister, we already have three babies born in the hospital. Yeah, that three ain't enough. These people don't care where, when, or how many. They don't seem to be interested in learning modern birth control methods, do they? Oh, listen to this guy. That ain't the black calling a kettle pot. <laughs> Mr. Thompson, that was not very nice. Uh, no harm intended, Mendoza. But it is a truism that you people do have more children than you can normally handle. My comment was purely socioeconomic, nothing personal. Well, let me, let me tell you something. One, we have children because we love each other. Two, you talk very intelligent, mister, but you're not so smart. Three, shut up your face. <laughs> nothing personal. That's telling them off there, Pedro. Mr. Bunker, we are Americans equal to you. Equal to me? You ain't even equal to him. <laughs> you ain't natural born there, Pedro. Puerto Ricans are natural born too. Says who? In 1917, the Congress of the United States says who? We are very good citizens. Dígame, puede ver la luz de la madre. Hold it, Pedro. When you sing that song, you're supposed to sing it in American, you know. I mean, uh, we have a little respect here for our national anthem. We're supposed to sing it the way it's roast, and only on patriotic occasions, like ball games and that. <laughs> I want to tell both to use minorities something, see? You're both running neck and neck in the baby-making, Davey. <laughs> and no matter who wins the race, I lose. Just a minute, Bunker. What do you mean, you lose? I mean I lose my hard-earned dough paying out welfare taxes. I hand out more in tips than you pay in taxes. <laughs> well, uh, whoop-de-doo. It's gonna happen, you know. She's gonna have that baby right here, right now, in this elevator. Can't somebody do something? It's too late for that. Somebody should have talked to Pedro back when. <laughs> From episode 14, The Elevator Story, which aired January 1st, 1972, with Hector Elizondo as Mr. Mendoza, Edith Diaz as Mrs. Mendoza, Eileen Brennan as the secretary, and an actor who has appeared in many shows over the years, Roscoe Lee Brown as Hubert Thompson III. Okay, time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with the many spin-offs created from 
All in the Family. All in the Family has the most spin-offs for a primetime television series, directly spawning five other shows, three of which were very successful, as well as two of those spin-offs, each having a spin-off of their own for a real total of seven. The first spin-off was Maud, which debuted in September 1972. It features Edith's acerbic cousin Maud Findlay, B. Arthur, who first appeared on All in the Family in the December 1971 episode Cousin Maud's Visit, visiting to take care of the influenza-suffering bunkers. A scene from that episode is on this album. Maud lasted for six seasons and 141 episodes, airing its final episode in April 1978. Good Times it is considered by some to be a spin-off of Maud, as the show's focus was Florida Evans, a character first appearing on Maud during its initial season as the Finleys made. Although the show features no reference to Maud, changes the name of Florida's husband from Henry to James, and sets the show in a Chicago housing project, it ran for six seasons from February 1974 to August 1979. The second and longest-lasting spinoff of All in the Family was The Jeffersons. Debuting in CBS in January 1975, The Jeffersons lasted 11 seasons and 253 episodes, more than All in the Family's nine seasons and 208 episodes. The main characters were the Bunker's former next-door neighbors, George and Louise Jefferson, Sherman Hemsley, and Isabel Sanford. George was the owner of seven successful dry-cleaning stores, and the series featured their life after moving from the Bunker's working-class neighborhood to a luxury high-rise apartment building in Manhattan's Upper East Side. Checking In was spun off from the Jeffersons, focusing on the Jeffersons' maid, Florence Johnston working as an executive housekeeper at the St. Frederick Hotel in Manhattan. It only lasted four weeks in April 1981, and the character returned to her old job as the Jefferson's maid. Archie Bunker's Place was technically a spin-off, but was essentially a renamed continuation of the series, beginning in September 1979, following the final season of the original. It was primarily set in the title's Neighborhood Tavern, which Archie Bunker purchased in the eighth season of All in the Family. It aired for four seasons until April 1983. Gloria was an ill-advised spinoff featuring Struthers, returning as the title character, now a single mom raising her son Joey, played by Christian Jacobs, after Mike left her and moved to a commune with one of his students. It aired for 21 episodes in 1982 and 83. And then there was one I had never heard of, 704 Hauser, which stars one of my favorite actors, John Amos, and features the Bunker's house with a new family, the Cumberbatches. It was an inversion of the formula of the original, featuring a liberal black couple with a conservative son who was dating a Jewish woman. Five episodes aired in April and May 1994. The sixth episode was unaired, probably why I never heard of it. Okay, here's a scene where Gene Stapleton really shines, and I mean award-winning shine. Hey, Edith, come out of the kitchen. I want to show you something in the magazine here. She's not here, Daddy. She ran down the market. Ah, oh, gee, I hope she don't get hung up in them sales down there. She's a sucker for specials. That's why we got 15 pounds of nuts in the closet. We ain't even got a monkey. Oh, I eat those nuts. <laughs> well, you ain't long out of the trees, anyway. 
Archie. We're waiting here. We're starved. Don't rush me, Archie Bunker. You get your dinner on time. You always get your dinner on time. <laughs> and don't you forget that, neither. Mom, let me help you with those bags. Leave me alone. Hey, uh, how do you eat it there? Uh, is uh, something right on you? No. Well, I just want to know you're all Don't right. argue with me. Eat it, I ain't arguing. I just you're was asking. asking for a fight, you're going to get one. <laughs> say that? If I didn't hear that with my own ears, I wouldn't believe it. Listen to that. She never wallops the pots that way. Gee, I don't know what to expect from her next. Oh, my, it's so nice to be home. Uh, you ain't uh, mad at nothing there, Edith? Mad? No. Why should I be mad? Here's some beer. Ma, you sure you're all right? Sure, I'm fine. Why? Oh, nothing, nothing, Edith. I just want you to be ready, you know, for our three-day excursion down to Florida, that's all. I'm ready. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's swell, swell. Hey, sit down in your chair there, will you? I, I want to show you something in the magazine I just found. Oh, wait till I show you. There's one of them in here, an all-bear band. A naked band at Disneyland? No, 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 Edith. You know, bears like brown bears, grizzly bears. Well, I hate bears. Yeah, but they ain't real bears, Edith. Look. I hate all bears. Take it away. I'm just trying to show you something. Stifle! <laughs> Me, will you? I told you to stifle! Are you all right? Leave me alone! Nobody's doing nothing to you! You listen to me! Mom! All of you listen to me! I said stifle and I mean stifle! Stifle, stifle, stifle! We're not going to Disney World or any other world! Stifle from episode 15, Edith's Problem, aired January 8th, 1972. This is the episode where Edith begins menopause, making it hard for Archie to be understanding. It won an Emmy for Outstanding Writing in Comedy. And I think Stifle It became just as popular as Sit On It from Happy Days later that decade. And by the way, Happy Days also had five spinoffs, but none of those spinoffs produced other spinoffs. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Listening to this album brought back great memories of sitting in the living room and then later the newly built family room with my parents and eventually two of my younger siblings to watch the guy with the big mouth say some of the funniest things. And there were millions of other people doing it as well. And I fondly remember doing the same thing with many other Norman Lear produced hits playing on the TV. Just like I remember seeing this next scene at the same time millions of other Americans were seeing it. It's from an episode which was ranked number 13 on TV Guide's 100 Greatest Episodes of All Time. 
Any chance of getting a cup of coffee over here, oh, huh? Sure, Archie. How was your day? Oh, I like lots of days, Edith. Lousy. <laughs> Except for one little bright spot that made the day what you call uh, fascinating. Guess what important personality I was carrying in my cab today? Oh, no, no, no. You ain't gonna get it out of me that easy. You're gonna have to guess this one. All right, let's try. I'll start. Living or dead? <laughs> I was driving a cab, eat it, not a heist. Give us a hint, Daddy. Is he in show business? Bingo. Give you another hint. Bongo, bongo, bongo. Well, he's either Desi or Nez, or knowing you, he's probably black. Right. Black is the ace of spades. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, this guy is the ace of spades. Belafonte? No, I said black meathead. Harvey Belafonte ain't black. <laughs> Just a good-looking white guy dipped in Carmel. Daddy, you had Sammy Davis Jr. in your cab? That's it, as sure as you're sitting right there. Sat there in the back of the cab, talking to me about the weather, all kinds of things, just like a regular person. <laughs> like it wasn't for the rear-view mirror there, I thought he was a white guy. <laughs> Hello. Who is this? Uh, uh, hello, Mr. Davis. Uh, what can I do for you? Oh, that fancy briefcase was yours, huh? Well, listen, I, I turned it in at the cab office there. Well, how could I help you get it back? Well, no, no, wait a minute. Now, no, you say you're going out to the airport. That's pretty good because I can have the briefcase delivered over here in the cab office, and my house is kind of on the way up Northern Boulevard there. You can stop by here and pick it up. You want to do that? Huh? Hey! No, it'll be an honor, Mr. Davis, certainly. 704 Houser Street. Yes, sir, Mr. Davis, yeah. Goodbye. He's coming over here. He's coming, he's coming over here. He's coming over here. Second come and I'll open it up. Just calm yourself down. It's an ordinary human being like the rest of us. Huh? Mr. Bunker? Sammy Davis! Sammy Davis, there he is! I told you he was coming. There he is, right out there on the stoop. Come on in, Mr. Davis. Come oh, Mr. on. Davis, oh, it's an honor. Oh, oh, welcome to our house. Thank oh, you. I'm so Thank excited. You. But then you can't imagine because you never had to meet yourself. <laughs> Mr. Davis, sir, it's my wife, Edith, laughing over there. <laughs> Shut up. Certainly is nice to meet all of you nice people, but I think I'd better take the old briefcase and run, huh? I just called, and the briefcase is going to be delivered over to the house. It'll be here any minute. In, in the meantime, will you make yourself at home? How we get you some coffee, huh? Well, that's awfully nice yeah, of you. Yeah, sit right down here, Mr. Okay. Davis, right in my chair. Make yourself comfortable. It's the best in the house. Look, why don't you stop calling me Mr. Davis and just call me Sam? Oh, hey, I, I, I'd like to do that. And, and you can call me Archie. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> 
Uh, Sam, uh, uh, where are you flying out to tonight? Uh, Las Vegas, maybe? No, I have a TV special to do in Hollywood. Oh, gee, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know, while you're hanging around, can you give us maybe a little preview of one of the, one of the songs you're going to do? Oh. Hey, Mr. Davis makes his living entertaining. You're asking him to go to work. Yeah, Arch, how would you like to be a guest in somebody's house and they say, hey, come on, Arch, do some packing and lifting for us. <laughs> How would you like to pack yourself and marry yourself to an island in the middle of Lake Pollock? <laughs> oh, uh, Sammy. Yes. I was just remembering the last time I seen you on TV. It was on a Johnny Carson show. Oh, yeah. You was on with that there uh, Raquel Walsh. Uh, remember, Edith? Oh, yeah. You were so sweet to her, Mr. Davis. I remember Archie said he never thought he'd see the day when coloreds and whites would be kissing from coast to coast. <laughs> She's always taking me out of contests, Sam. You see, what I really meant by that was... I know what you mean, Archie, but, uh... Well, they put a kissing clause in my contract. Huh? Yeah, see, it ain't me. It's them white celebrities, man. We're in, so they all want to jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> what, you mean to say the network's forcing the races to intersex like that right on the air? <laughs> you see, no prejudice intended here, but I always check these things with the Bible, mm. you know? And uh, if, if God had wanted us to be together, He'd have put us together. But now look what he's done. He put you in Africa, he put the rest of us in all the white countries. <laughs> well, somebody must have told you where we were because somebody came and got us. <laughs> what I mean is they had work for us, you know, and... <laughs> And the offer was tempting. I mean, what with free transportation, room, board, chains? <laughs> How could one resist? I think you're talking about slavery there, Sam. I want to tell you right here and now, and straighten our heart. I never thought slavery did your people no good at all. And I was always against it. Glory, glory. <laughs> You see what goes on around here, Sammy? Every time I start to have a serious conversation, these kids go crazy. Another thing they're always doing to me, they're always telling me I'm prejudiced. Now listen, you're a guy been around a lot. You've seen a lot of people, yeah. you know a lot, see? Yeah. Now you look at me, you figure me for prejudiced guy. You prejudice, Archie. Let me tell you something. If you were prejudiced, when I walked into your house, you would have called me a, a coon or a nigger. But you didn't say that. I heard you clear as a bell. Right straight out, you said, call it. Yeah, that's what I've done, all right. And if you were prejudiced, you'd do like some people I know. You'd close your eyes to what's going on in this great country that we live in. But not you, Archie. You've got your eyes wide open. You can tell white from black. And I have a feeling that you'll always be able to tell white from black. <laughs> and if you were prejudiced, Archie, let me tell you something. 
You would go around thinking that you're better than anybody else in the world, man. But I can honestly say, having spent these marvelous moments with you, <laughs> you ain't any better than anybody. <laughs> From episode 21, Sammy's Visit, which aired February 19, 1972. The episode won an Emmy for Outstanding Direction and was nominated for Outstanding Single Program, Drama, or Comedy. But let me finish the show for you. After hearing Archie's bigoted remarks, Davis asks for a photograph with him. At the moment the picture is taken, Davis suddenly kisses a stunned Archie on the cheek. The ensuing laughter went on for so long that it had to be severely edited for network broadcast, as Carol O'Connor still had one line. Oh, what the hell? He said it was in his contract (laughs) to deliver after the kiss. The line is usually cut in syndication. And there you have selections from one of the most beloved TV sitcoms of all time. So thanks for tuning into Volume 159, Those Were the Days, However You Did. If you want more information about this show, head over to SpinningMyDad'sVinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 160, Andy Sets Us Free. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. (laughs) 